You're listening to a Mornings with Kelly and Steve podcast. Be sure to check us out every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on Moody Radio. Jason and Haley Bellotti on the line now. They are authors of the book, Sink or Sit, One Couple's Journey of Answering God's Call to Step Out of the Boat. And I know that so many of you have surely felt that nudge of God's Holy Spirit in your lives to do the same as they have been called to do. You've, you have felt God nudging you to, to more in your life, and you've wondered, how am I going to do more when I'm so busy now? Or maybe you've asked that question, how am I to do more? Maybe you just didn't understand. And like so many of us, you want to see the end from the beginning, but God's not letting you see that. It's quite a wild ride sometimes with him, but it is the most fulfilling thing you will ever do when you say yes. Jason and Haley, good morning. Thanks for joining me this morning. Good morning. Good morning. I am so looking forward to talking to you, too. And I've got to tell you, as I was reading a little bit about your um, your background and how busy you are running Chick-fil-A restaurants and the other things you've been doing with mentoring and training and, uh, Haley, with you being on the 10,000 Reasons Board for seven years and uh, leading Bible studies. And I'm, I'm just going through and reading all of your credentials for, for both of you, and I'm thinking, you guys are so busy. Where did you find time to even do more? Yet God still called you. And, and when you felt this call to more, I, I, I'll start with you, Jason. What, what were you thinking when you felt this nudge to more? Yeah, I think uh, when, we're, when we're at our busiest, uh, if we're in God's will, then he's going to keep us going. And, um, you know, we've seen that over and over from a standpoint of, um, when he calls, you know, we reference this in the book, but from uh, when he, in Matthew, he calls Peter out of the boat, and he he answered that call, and now he's only the second person ever other than Jesus to walk on water. And so I think those encouragements and, and verses in the Bible that show us that if we do say yes, if we'll answer when God calls us to do something, um, great things could happen, even maybe somebody could walk on water. Haley, what was the more, uh, share with our listening family, what was the more that the two of you felt God calling you to? So for us, that that would be missions. Um, As a little girl, I always, I grew up in a church that had revival every week, uh, excuse me, uh, revival once a year, and missionaries would come and they would share their stories of how they were serving. And I always felt a connection to that and always had a passion for wanting to do missions. And the opportunity came first for Jason before me to be able to go um, through another Chick-fil-A operator that invited him to go. And to be honest with you, at first I was a little frustrated that Jason had the opportunity to go first, (laughs) but my heart always had that calling and longing to serve uh, on the mission field, whether that would have been domestic or international. And the Lord opened the door for us to be able to serve in Niger, Africa for 14 years. Jason and I served in different areas. Jason felt called to build Christian schools and raise money for that, so I certainly supported him in that. But I also felt the calling to minister to women and children halfway around the world. And so those were the passions that God kind of placed in Jason and I's heart. 
So you served in different areas. Then you went, Jason, at different times. You you weren't together. No, we uh, we had a small, a young family, and Niger is a fourth world country that's ninety four percent Muslim. And while we were very cautious in our planning and, and the organization we worked through, we just felt at the time for our family that it made sense to go separately. Uh, and then that grew into Haley leading her own women's teams only. And then I would lead a team every January that consisted of a lot of uh, people from Chick-fil-A that I would invite. But not only for the safety and the, the wisdom of us being separate on the road, but also to spend appropriate time with our family back here and with young children and raising them properly and not being gone for eight, nine, ten, sometimes 14 days from them. So what was it like um, in Niger to to go and to serve? Because you 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 refer to that as a fourth world country. I don't think I've ever heard that term. I've always heard third world. I've never heard fourth world. Yeah, they they named uh, Haiti in Niger a few years ago fourth world, which is all based on the poverty level. And um, it's considered the poorest country in the world, depending on when you Google it versus Haiti. But uh, it's part of the Sahara Desert. It's landlocked. And it's at any given time, 120 or more degrees there. And um, they just don't have a lot of uh, infrastructure as far as getting things to um, different places, whether it's transit, trains, uh, they have no um, access to a port. And so it's a very uh, tough way to live. And they really live day by day. And so going in and being able to provide a Christian education, uh, we had a an idea or a thought from the Lord that that would be a, uh, a way to move that country forward in the long term. Haley, you you both have said, you know, you had young children at home at the time, so it made sense for you to go separately. But when you felt this call and this opportunity came, did either of you feel any sense of, wow, you know, even though you always wanted to do missions, was there any hesitancy? No, there really wasn't, Kelly, just because I had prayed for so many years prior to the opportunity Mm -hmm. that when the Lord presented the opportunity, I had peace. And that's one of the things the Lord's taught me over the years is to truly first seek His will, but then to pray and pause. So I pray first, I pause and kind of wait for the Lord to either open the door or close the door. So this one I felt like Kelly was wide open So we walked through that door, but like Jason said, we just were very planful and thought through that because our daughter Pauline was only four at the time when we first started going. And so we thought ahead and thought, well, in case something does happen to one of us, we're going to travel separately. That way, at Mm -hmm. least our biological children would have had the other parent. And so that was just our uh, plan. But ultimately, we had peace, and it was amazing serving the Lord those 14 years in, in Niger. How did this impact your, your kids those 14 years as you served? Mm, I would say in many different ways. Um, our adoption process that we talk about in the book was a very long process. It actually took us three years. We had two no's and had to fire our attorney over in Niger, the first one, and wait for the Lord. Again, pray and wait for the Lord to provide another one. And through that process, our biological children, of course, were very aware of what was going on, and we were all praying together as a family. And so I think their character and relationship grew with the Lord in the process of just walking that adoption process with us. 
but then also our children had the opportunity to travel to Niger. Uh, Jason and I led two youth teams over to Niger, and our children were, of course, on those uh, missions trips as well. And so they saw firsthand how Rashid, our adopted son, grew up and the life of the Nigerians and the poverty. And so I think it just grew um, their appreciation for how they had been brought up in America and then also just the burden to share the gospel with a lost nation of a people group that are 94% Muslim. So it gave them that desire to also just go and make disciples of all nations. Jason, can you share maybe, because I, I wanted to get into a, a little bit more in just a second about your adoption story, but Jason, can you think of any, uh, just off the top of your head, stories, one or two, that just immediately, without overthinking it, that would stand out about your experience in Niger, the people that you, that you met, maybe one or two that really had an impact on your heart as you served there that uh, God has especially touched your heart with? Sure, sure. One immediately that comes to mind is one of the places we would go on every mission is to a place at the, at the end when we would do a little bit of shopping. And we would go to this place um, <clears throat> where they uh, carved out soapstone and they made it into different figures and they would make it into hippos and uh, giraffes and different little things. Well, this one particular gentleman, they would sit Indian style and they would have this, um, you know, their legs crossed, they would have this piece of stone in between their feet and they would carve it out and rub on it with different files and cloths and until it became something. And this particular gentleman was known for doing um, the, um, help me out, Haley, um, the manger scene, the nativity scene. So, uh, and he would have all these figures sitting in front of him and people by the droves would come in and buy these from him. And we had done this for years. And here we are in a Muslim country. He was a Muslim and carving out these nativity scenes. And so I went him at one point and asked him, did he know what he was carving? And I held up Jesus. And he said, no. And so I went and got a translator, came over, and the next 90 minutes, uh, the translator and I sat there and told him who Jesus was, led him to Christ. And then the pastor got his name, got his number, followed up with him, had him come into Bible studies. It's changed his life forever. Wow. That is incredible. That is that yeah, the is second one that yeah go it, ahead it really was yeah and the second one that comes to mind would be who affected us in Niger the most was Rashid the boy we ended up adopting and um, just that process of getting to know him over time and then he's ultimately changed our lives uh, he is now he's been with us eleven years he came when he was fourteen years old and he's now twenty five uh, doing well graduated college. And um, so not only did we change his life and make a huge difference bringing him here, he's also changed all of ours. How did Rashid, uh, Haley, I'll, I'll ask you to answer this. How did Rashid come into your life? Uh, this is, you, you've said, you know, largely a Muslim nation. And um, how was it that you were able to adopt him? Mm-hmm. So the organization that we used to travel with, Effective Ministries, uh, visited an orphanage. That was one of the things that they always did, and Rashid was in that particular orphanage that we would go and visit. And Jason actually, uh, like I mentioned, was the one that traveled to Niger first. Mm -hmm. And at that time, uh, Effective Ministries had a program where you could just sponsor a child and take, you know, provide all of their needs for the year. And so Jason 
felt called to do that. So he came home from the mission and was discussing it with me. And I said, sure, that would be great. That would be a way to give back and support those people. And so we reached out to Effective Ministries and said, hey, would you mind just pairing us up with a young man that's close to our son Hunter's age? And our thought process was just they could be pen pals, right? And they could kind of write back and forth together. And little did we know that was the Lord's sovereign plan of uh, putting Rashid with us. So we actually sponsored Rashid for three years just by providing his needs, going over. Every time Jason and I would go, we would take him clothes and a puzzle or, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. and built a relationship that way. And then after three years, the Lord laid it upon our heart to uh, consider the adoption of process of starting to try to adopt Rashid. And I'm assuming Rashid was excited for this? <laughs> yeah, well, at first we prayed. So, Jason, um, I'll let him tell a little bit about that because the okay. Lord spoke to him first on that. So, Jason, go ahead and explain a little bit of yeah. that. Yeah, it was... Um we had our, our son and our daughter and we had two great businesses and we were all born and raised in Atlanta and life was great. And the Lord uh, began waking me up at night for about three months straight saying, <laughs> show me Rashid's face and saying, get him out. And that's all that I would hear. And that's all I would see, but I ignored it and I ignored it. And I sure didn't tell Haley cause I knew she'd be all in. So <laughs> I waited and waited and kept ignoring it. And, um, and so I've learned that the big learning I've had of it is never say never because I never, and people around me would have said, there's never would have thought Jason Bellotti would have adopted and added to his family. And so my heart changed on that. And we just um, felt called to adopt Rashid and we're very focused on that and went after it. So at one point we did have to go over and meet with him and share that with him. And I tell people, yes, he was excited, but all he knew about America was from like superhero movies. They saw in the oh, orphanage. Uh-huh. It was a Christian orphanage, but he only got one meal a day. He had no shoes, uh, didn't know how to use a bathroom, never had a shower. Uh, you know, they would just bathe them outside. And so to him, for him to say yes, he had no idea what he was saying yes to, but he did know he was about to have parents and people that loved him and that had shown him love over the few years. Oh, wow. That had to be such a culture shock coming here. Yes. <laughs> and I, you know, I, it is going to be amazing to see what God unfolds in his life as he gets older and older for, for God to have, to have awakened you like that in the night and show you his face and to say, get him out. Mm-hmm. Well, the first place we took him, we got off the plane was one of my Chick-fil-A restaurants. We call it God's Chicken. So we had to have that. First. Yeah. <laughs> we and, all um, call it that. <laughs> <laughs> but I do remember we took him to Costco and oh my gosh, his face and his eyes. And, and, and he's like, we, we can afford all of it. Like we can get this. And so it was just, um, it was an amazing experience to watch it through his eyes and, and then have the reality of how blessed we are, not only in this nation, but our family. And Haley, I'm going to ask you now that, that Rashid, looking back, cause you said he's been with you 11 years, looking back when Rashid came into your home as part of your family, um, how was he embraced by your biological children? How did how did that melding of fam- how did that melding of family work for you? Sure. Well, it was very interesting just because of the culture Rashid grew up in. They really kind of even though the orphanage had a mix of boys and girls, they were very separated uh, for multiple different reasons, and so it was a little more challenging for Paulina to be able to connect with Rashid simply because Rashid. He was 
kind to her, but he was like Hunter's shadow, right? Like he stuck to Hunter like glue. Hunter would, you know, was very patient with him and would try to explain things to him and help him with things. Uh, But Paulina, he would not really include her as much. So at first, the transition was a little harder for her. But our children, again, going back to kind of what I mentioned earlier, they had prayed so much and knew that God had really called us to adopt Rashid. So they were just excited to have him. And so Paulina really longed to have a closer relationship with him. And now they're very close. Um, Rashid, I would say if he needs something, he probably calls Paulina first. But it did take some time. And just a readjustment, right? Because it had just been Hunter and Paulina, and they were very close. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you throw a third one in there, and, you know, the time is a bit divided. But in the beginning, it was a little bit of a transition, but they both loved him and welcomed him with open arms. Well, I love what I'm hearing is that you, the two of you, and it sounds like actually all of you as a family have bathed everything so much in prayer all along the way. And that is so important, so important if you're going to especially adjust to a new situation. And the whole thing is a new situation step by step all along the way. I got to ask you, um, going into a a 99% Muslim nation, uh, that part of Africa, was, was that safe? Uh, did you at any time feel unsafe? Yeah, the, the good thing about Niger is it's still a freedom of religion country, and I think that's probably because they don't see Christians as a threat uh, yet, and there's just not been a lot of movement in that area that, that is being tracked. So there's mm-hmm. a, you don't have to be underground. I mean, we were, we were given land to build Christian classrooms, and so because we were providing a better education in the public schools. So there was some somewhat of a welcoming uh, in that sense. And then a lot of countries, too, when you say 94, 99% Muslim, a large majority of those are not practicing, a lot like, mm-hmm. unfortunately, Americans who say they're Christian. So um, it, never did we feel in danger. The other thing I would just even say to your listeners is when you, make sure you've researched organizations you work, you're going to go through. And this one was very buttoned up, very in tune with uh, the U.S. Embassy, and uh, followed, you know, their travel guidance on that. And, you know, we were a phone call away from from them, if needing anything over time, but we never did. Mm -hmm. We're talking, by the way, with Jason and Haley Bellotti. They are authors of the book, Sink or Sit, One Couple's Journey of Answering God's Call to Step Out of the Boat. It's coming out, by the way, February 27th. Um, Jason, I want to ask you, how can you know if you are really being called to something because I've talked to so many brothers and sisters in Christ in the past. Some are certain they're being called, others are I think maybe God's calling me. I'm not sure. Yeah. It's a it's a great question. The first thing I'd say around this calling of Matthew twenty eight, nineteen, the good news for all of us today as believers is God's already called us all to go make disciples of all nations, whether you go domestically or internationally. The good news is we've already been called. So you can't say you don't know if you've been called around that. We're all called as believers to spread the gospel. But if you're, you know, worrying about whether I'm called to a new job or called to go do this or go on this mission, you know, Haley talks a lot about this, but just bathing it in prayer and uh, watching for confirmations and looking for God to guide you in that. And then the closer you are, the more you walk with the Lord, whether it's morning devotions, Bible studies, small groups, attendance of church, memorization of scripture, you're going to feel that inward pull and I tell people, that's not your gut, that's, your Holy, that's the Holy Spirit working through you and giving mm-hmm. you guidance. And so 
trust that and uh, seek that out. You know, one of the things you mentioned earlier is um, hurdles and things of people, should they say yes, should they not? And we've just seen over and over when we've invited people on missions and they go through this, I don't know if I'm called, I don't know if I'm supposed to go. There's kind of been three big Fs that stick out over and over that we've seen consistently. And one is a lot of people don't have the finances mm-hmm. and they don't trust that they can raise it. And I got good news for you. There's a lot of people out there that would rather write a check than go. And so they will send you. Um, two is we've seen um, people from family and friends that push back. Why would you go there? Why would you leave your family? I wouldn't yeah. do that. And I think, you know, praying through that, sharing that. And then last um, is really fear. And, you know, to get rid of all three of those, we say grab the other F and that's faith. And you've got to have faith that the Lord is guiding you in that and that he'll take care of you. One more quick question, you guys, because we're just about out of our time uh, together this morning. We're bumping up on our time, actually. But Haley, um, didn't you say that you had served 14 years together in Niger? Yes. Yes. How do you know when your calling has been fulfilled in a place? How do you know when it's time to move on from a place? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say, just like Jason was just saying, Kelly, that the Lord, if we're truly seeking the Lord— and we're living a life of surrender, right? And that's hard, right? To open up our hands and say, Lord, here's the pen. You write the best stories, so I'm going to let you write mine. That That's hard, and it takes daily surrender. But that's what we're called to. And so if we're truly saying, okay, Lord, what is your will for me today? And you're just not seeking out your own agenda, the Lord is going to make things clear. So for us, we had been serving in Niger, and then the pandemic hit, and I was trying to take a team back in June of 21. We were going to kind of be guinea pigs, and in April of 21, the Lord closed that door, and I was absolutely devastated. I was brokenhearted, and I remember praying and doing a morning devotion, and through that devotion, the Lord clearly spoke to me and said, allow your faith to take you to new lands, new opportunities, and new relationships. It is there that you will encounter the guidance of God. And so I knew through that devotion that the Lord was speaking to me. And so I feel as though the Lord speaks to us through many different ways. But if you're at church on Sunday and the preacher's preaching in Romans chapter 8, and then you're doing a separate devotion on Thursday, and you open it up, and it's on Romans chapter 8, and then you're talking to a girlfriend over coffee, and she brings up Romans chapter 8, then those are kind of the cues that the Holy Spirit is putting in front of us to Mm -hmm. guide us and say, hey, you need to pay attention to Romans chapter 8. And so that is how I believe that the Lord speaks through many different ways, but He is very clear when He's calling us to do something. It's just our choice as to whether or not we'll step out of the boat and walk in faith towards Him. Yep, absolutely. He is the most amazing, nerve-wracking, wild, fulfilling, (laughs) beautiful ride of of the life, I'll tell you. That's right. Oh, my goodness. Well, Jason and Haley Bellotti, it has been a joy to talk to you this morning. And for those of you listening, again, the name of their book is Sink or Sit. There's so much more to their story, by the way, than we've had time to talk about. So if you'd like to learn more and uh, really dig into this, the book is Sink or Sit, One Couple's Journey of Answering God's Call to Step Out of the Boat. It's coming out February 27th, and you can learn more and reach out to them at Sit. 
You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life. 